Genesis chapter 31, verses 1 to 55. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said, the speckled ones will be your wages... Then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said, the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled or spotted, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels and he drove all his livestock ahead of him along with all the goods he had accumulated in Paddan Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him he was running away. So he fled fled with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River and headed for the hill country of Gilead. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him 
and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You've done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you've gone off because you long to return to your father's household. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, that person shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me, and if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched but could not find the household gods. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? he asked Laban. How have I wronged you that you hunt me down? Now that you have searched through all my goods... What have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. I've been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was my for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for twenty for the twenty years I was in your household. I worked for you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Laban answered Jacob, The women are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. 
Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine or about the children they have borne? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather gather some stones. So they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jigar Sahadutha, and Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it was called Galiad. It was also called Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take any wives besides my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, Here is this heap, and here is this pillar I have set up between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you, and that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, Judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father Isaac. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. Thank you, Richard. Well done. I'll sort that out. Well, it's November already. Can you believe it? And I've already seen Christmas decorations on houses in Hallett Cove. They're hardcore there, aren't they? And that was before Halloween. Yeah. So, how do you feel about us coming near to the end of the year? So beginnings and endings are good, aren't they? Like being at the start of something, a new job, a new school, a new relationship, we tend to feel more vibrant and alive, don't we? Um, You know, keen, interested, that sort of new pencil case with an unused eraser in it, that kind of feeling. Feels good. Or if we come to the end of something, that burst of energy to meet the deadline, that sense of excitement, that sort of Friday, end of term kind of feeling... And then the big relax or the after party once it's done. So beginning and endings give us that boost of energy. But what about the rest of the time in the middle? I've kind of got used to um, Christmas being in the summer now. I've been in Australia 14 years and, and I love it. It's great. But what it does leave you with is a big long winter with nothing to brighten it up in the middle. Kind of the year kind of sags in the middle, doesn't it? Beginnings and ends are great, but what about just the ordinary days, you know, the humdrum, humdrum, the routine, the saggy bits in between those beginnings and ends, the difficult times. It's a lot harder to be our best in the middle of a term, isn't it? 
And as Christians, we're kind of in between people. We know we've been saved. We're confident in our salvation in Christ. Our eternal life has already begun. And also at a deep level, we know Jesus is coming back. We know our future is perfect eternity with him. And so we're living in between those days of Jesus having been. He's with us now and he's returning. How can we best live in between days? Because in today's passage, Jacob is living in between days. He's halfway through kind of God having fulfilled his promises to him. So back in chapter 28, God had appeared to Jacob in a dream and confirmed that the promises for Abram and that were then for Isaac, those promises, they apply to him as well. So Genesis 28, 13 and 15, God said to to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abram and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So last week we saw um, God blessed blessed Jacob with descendants. You know, just as he promised, even if it was the long way around with lots of family strife. But Jacob has got children, offspring. Now Jacob is thinking ahead to the rest of God's promise, the promise of a land of their own, spreading in all directions, blessing the whole earth. But the trouble is, right now, he's stuck in Haran, where Laban's from, not Canaan, not the promised land. And so far, he's been out-tricked by his dodgy uncle Laban. We've seen that God has been disciplining Jacob, helping him grow into the man that he needs to be, to be the father of God's people. And as we get to chapter 31, Jacob's facing a crisis. He's in trouble with Laban and his family, and he's got nowhere to go. The question is, how has Jacob's character developed? Is he trusting in God's promises? And especially, is he trusting in that the most comforting promise for him, as you found him right now, that runs through his in-between days. The promise that runs through our in-between days. I am with you and will watch, watch you wherever you go. How will that shape and influence what Jacob does now? Will it? And what will shape and influence us? So there's an outline in your leaflets there. you want to follow along if you find that helpful excuse me just incidentally i put outlines in your leaflets but i don't want this to be like school it's just there if you find it helpful and if you don't you can ignore them you don't need them you can just listen it's fine so battle of the spots and stripes right we've just skipped over because i thought it's a bit of a long reading we'll skip over the end of chapter 30 so i'll summarize in chapter 30 if you've got your bible in front of you it'd be good to be in the end of chapter 30 chapter 30 verse 25 now that jacob's got offspring he takes that as the trigger to head home back to the promised land verse 25 after rachel gave birth to joseph jacob said to laban send me on my way so i can go back to my homeland 
And Jacob points out to Laban that he's been a source of blessing to him. And he asks for a fair deal in compensation now that he's a family man. I'm not asking for too much, just what he's kind of due. And what follows is Laban and Jacob in a kind of battle of the wheeler dealers. It's all to do with plain and speckled and striped sheep and goats, which is a bit over my head, I'll, I'll grant you. What you need to know is that Laban tries to give Jacob as little as possible and keeps being all twisty and changing the wages, changing the deal. But Jacob is able to outsmart him. And he brings his best shepherding and animal husbandry skills to bear. And the upshot of all of that is Jacob ends up really wealthy. Every turn that Laban makes to try and rip Jacob off has only led to Jacob doing better. That's the summary. Verse 43, he ends up, In this way the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and Camels and donkeys. The camels are back. We know things are looking good when the camels are back. God has been with Jacob. And the takeaway for us is, from the end of chapter 30, the, the takeaway is not don't get mad, get even. Now, the point is that Jacob trusted God. He put himself in God's hands. Now, that didn't mean that everything was easy. And it didn't mean Jacob just did a kind of a let go and let God thing, switching his brain off, waiting to see what God would do. No, Jacob, relying on God, used his skills and his talents in pursuit of God's promises. So Jacob used his skills and his talents in pursuit of God's promises. Someone shared with me um, a devotion on Matthew 10 verse 16 recently. So Matthew 10, 16, Jesus tells his disciples, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Because life's not easy and it's full of difficult people and difficult situations, isn't it? Uh, And the devotion says this. This is not my words. Jesus advised his disciples to be wise like snakes, yet innocent like doves, to use their brains whilst also keeping tender hearts. To not forsake their intuition, whilst also keeping themselves pure. To leverage their wit, whilst also remaining blameless. We have been sent into the world to be wise and righteous, to be smart and tender, to be truth and grace. End of quote. And that's what we see in Jacob, in his dealing with Laban. And we can do the same. We can bring our best, but we can bring our, our worst, you know, our, our mediocre. Bring all of it in service of God with the confidence and faithfulness that only comes when you know God is with us. So that's the end of chapter 30. On to chapter 31. Jacob is keen to get back, get back, get back to his homeland, to his dad Isaac in Canaan. So we saw he was keen in chapter 30, and now he's got all the more reason to want to get out of Dodge. Chapter 31, verse 1. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob, he's taken everything our father owned, and he's gained all all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude to him, 
towards him was not what it had been. So things are heating up. Jacob has got a family. He's got wealth now. But it's all mixed up and complicated with Laban and his family, all of whom are turning against him. So there's much for Jacob to fear. And humanly speaking, the odds don't look good for God's purposes working out. But again, God in his kindness encourages Jacob. Verse 3. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob calls a secret meeting with Rachel and Leah. Now, we're wondering... Are they still at each other's throats? How are they feeling about Jacob? What more twists and turns are they going to get from slippery Jacob? Jacob summarizes the situation succinctly. Look, lights of my life. Sorry, lights of my life. Um, Darlings, um, look, your dad has properly turned against me now. But the God of my father has been with me. Your dad Laban kept changing the deal to rip me off. But God hasn't let him harm me. In fact, every move your dad made against me has benefited me. God has taken all his livestock and given them to me. And this this isn't just me, honestly. I, I had a dream confirming all this. And just like my dream at Bethel, God appeared and he said that he's seen all that Laban's been doing. God has kept his promise to be with me. And now he said, it's time to head home. I can imagine Rachel and Leah looking at each other. They'd come ready for another plot twist, another all about Jacob bit of heartache. But instead, Jacob is humble. He's not gloating. He's he's thankful to God. He's confident in God, not himself. And with that lens of God being with them, Rachel and Leah can see, yeah, you know, when you weigh it up, our dad hasn't looked out for us at all. But God really has. So let's trust God and do what he tells us. So compared to last week where we saw Leah and Rachel having all the babies, there's been a breakout of peace between Jacob and and his wives, hasn't there? And between Leah and Rachel. And what's that peace based on? It's based on what God has done. What God has promised them. Who God is. The fact that God is with them. For us in our marriages, in our friendships, in our families, in all our relationships. We're inevitably going to do and experience things that can cause us to fall out with each other. So how to find peace? I suppose Leah and Rachel could have remained bitter and divided. But we can do what they chose to do. To live in light of the fact that God is with us. We can forgive and reconcile and go the extra mile with people. Not because of how good they are or not because of what they've done. But because of who God is. Because what God is like and because what he has done for us. Rather than holding things against people. 
So what this family are thinking of doing now, uprooting their whole family, leaving the, uh, their father and his clan, it's a huge decision. It's a risky decision. But they're willing to risk their whole way of life because they're trusting that God is with them. Are you? Are you trusting that God is with you? Just think of what God has done for you already. In Jesus, coming in person to save us from the death and darkness we deserve, to move us to life and light with him forever. Just remember who God is that is with you. You can see him most clearly in Jesus. And remember who God is and remember where God is. He's with us. So you'll see the last point in the outline is a showdown at Gilead. And there's three uh, sort of sets of contestants in this showdown. First one, we've just met. Jacob versus Laman. All right, so just hold that in your head for the showdown at the end. For now, though, Jacob embarks on his great escape. He packs up his wives, his camels. The camels are here again. Um, all his livestock and his goods. And he's got one last deception left for Laban. Verse 20, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him he was running away. So Jacob gets a three-day head start, uh, but eventually Laban hears the fled, and he gathers his relatives, his kinsmen, and those sons that were getting cheesed off with Jacob, and they set off in hot pursuit. You can see the clouds of dust billowing behind them as they chase through the land. So that's our second set of contestants, actually, in, in this, this uh, showdown. We've got Laban's kinsmen and Jacob's family. So bear them in mind. So for seven days, Laban and his kinsmen race after them. You can imagine Laban with his saw bomb on his saddle, stewing for those seven days, can't you? Yeah, I never did quite take to that Jacob. He always seemed to be a slippery one. Yeah, he's just so annoying. Just whenever I seem to have outsmarted him, he always wins. Well, no one pulls a fast one on me. Wait till I get my hands in him. I'll show him who's top dog. You know that kid at school or somebody at work, and everything just seems to go well for them. It's really annoying, isn't it? You know, the bread always lands butter side up in life. And even if you're, you're their friend, you sometimes have a bit jealous. Well, that's, that's Laban and Jacob. There's two of them heading for a showdown. Eventually, Laban and his relatives catch Jacob up. And so we're ready for it now. Here it is, the showdown at Gilead. And Laban is his smarmiest, oiliest self, isn't he? First of all, he plays the victim card. Verse 26. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You've deceived me and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. This is the same Laban, by the way, that's had Jacob working like a slave for 20 years. Never mind. Verse 27, why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Now he brings out kind of nice guy, family guy Laban, like a bad politician kissing babies at election time. Why didn't you tell me so I, I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You should have told me you were going. I'd have arranged a proper leaving do, you know, with a DJ and a buffet with volivants and everything. But then his true colours come out. Like 
a polite gangster wearing a suit whilst threatening like a thug. You have done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. So Jacob's in the bind. Him and his family are surrounded. Things aren't looking good. You know, you can almost smell the body odor of Laban's sons as they close in. He could reasonably be afraid. But there's one more person in this showdown to take into account, isn't there? Laban continues. Verse 29, but, but last night, the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. God is with Jacob and he's protecting him, warning Laban off. Telling him not to say anything. Now Laban does say a fair bit of good and bad, doesn't he? But I suppose by Laban's standards, he is holding back. He's obeying in his own slippery way. So phew, Jacob and his family, they're safe now, aren't they? Except there's a spanner in the works. There was a detail I missed from uh, when they were leaving. Verse 19. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. And now Laban is really upset about it. And perhaps in Laban's head, this theft could be a, a loophole to get around God's command not to leave Jacob alone. Verse 30. Now, you, you've gone off because you long to return to your father's household, but why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who is your gods, that person shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the goods. So in our showdown, we've got Jacob versus Laban. Now Jacob's relatives are up against Laban's clan. Hearing all the bad news about Jacob and going to search the tents. And you can imagine him going from tent to tent. It's not there. Try Leah's tent. It's not in there. Finally, they come to Rachel's tent. We know that those gods are in there. We thought Jacob and family were about to escape. And now it looks like it's all going to come crashing down. But here's the turning point. You see, it's our third showdown. We've got Jacob versus Laban. We've got the relatives versus the kinsmen. And now we've got the God who is with Jacob versus Laban's household gods, who he seems to have lost. And our author of Genesis, probably Moses, probably writing to God's people who years later have had their own escape from Egypt into the wilderness, a people who attempted to turn to worshipping household gods like the settled nations around them. Well, Moses writes this next bit for laughs, really, to mock those idols. These great and mighty household gods, they're so powerful, they can be stolen by Rachel. Verse 34, Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in his, the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. How mighty 
Are these household gods? How great and honoured are they? They're shoved in a saddlebag and put in the place of sanitary products. And Jacob finally gets to tell it like it is. Look, I've had it up to you. I haven't done anything wrong. I've been consistently fair and square, going above and beyond, and you've consistently tried to rip me off, Laban. You failed, and now you're trying to make up for it. You've treated me like a slave, and if it were up to you, I'd be empty-handed. But this is no pity party by Jacob. Jacob wants Laban to focus not on him, but on God, who is with him. Verse 42. If the God of my father, the God of Abram, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. So in this showdown, before Jacob and all his relatives, before these household gods, their gods in their sacred place under Rachel's bum, before God... Laban is put in his place. He still doesn't quite acknowledge it, but seeing that he's not going to win, fearing God, if not quite turning to God, he makes a covenant with Jacob to do him no harm. And in the end, there's enough peace breaking out for him to be able to kiss his kids and grandkids goodbye. So Jacob, sorry, God has been with Jacob as he lived in the days between promises being fulfilled. And it hasn't been a glib, oh, God is with you, so everything will be hunky-dory, perfect, easy-peasy. Not been that kind of story. There have been desperate moments. But it is an everything-will-be-okay-in-the-end story. And that is our story as we wait in between days. Knowing we are saved now, our eternal life already begun, waiting for Jesus' return, we can wait well knowing that God is with us. We aren't told why Rachel stole the household gods. Maybe it was a kind of spiritual insurance policy. You know, if God isn't with us, then maybe these little guys will be. And she probably realized how ridiculous that was as they were digging, digging into her backside. See, an idol is just something you feel like you can't live without. But knowing God is with us will help us not to bring our own household idols along for the ride. So don't hedge your bets. Only one God is with you. Only one God is for you. Only one God will get you home. Only one God deserves your trust and your worship. But I think the main application for us today is to stop and think. One of my favorite films, Ferris Bueller Day Off, has this famous quote, life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. That's true of our relationship with God. If we don't stop and remember that God is with us, we could miss it. Because I think we're pretty good at knowing and trusting and believing the right things about God. About God. 
But it's easy to forget that God is personally with us. And when we do remember he's with us, that changes everything. So stop and think. What are you holding back on in living for God that you might jump into knowing that he's with you? That God's got your back. Stop and think. Jacob lived in between the days, in the in-between days, and the knowledge that God who had begun to fulfill his promises would fulfill them all, and in the meantime, keep the promise that he really needed to know in all that hurly-burly, hustle-and-bustle conflict. I will be with you. Stop and think. Remember the promises we have for God is with us, promises that Jacob, the father of Israel, could only dream of. And I've printed some of them from the New Testament in your leaflet there to take away and think about. But I'll just finish with this one then. From Romans 8, 38. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the pres- neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is with us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are with us. Thank you for all the promises we have, uh, that we are in Christ. He's in us. You're in us by your Spirit. You're with us in ways that Jacob could only dream of. So please help us to remember that and live in reality of that. Uh, Please help us to be forgiving and be able to reconcile and cope with sin by looking at you and who you are and what you've done. Amen.